Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're celebrating your birthday. Happy birthday. We hope we are putting a smile on your face, and we ask that you continue to help us celebrate you as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As a new homeowner, I quickly discovered that Home Depot became one of my favorite places. And I went in there, and I was kind of overwhelmed. And on one of my very early visits, I had to find the plumbing section. And this is before I knew where plumbing was and electrical and lighting and flooring and all that. And I was a little frustrated, and I just couldn't find plumbing. So finally, I found one of those orange vest people that wasn't busy. And I said, please help me. I need to find plumbing. And this very astute Home Depot worker didn't say a word. They just looked up and pointed to the sign above my head. It said plumbing. (laughs) Sometimes things are obvious, and yet we miss them, those obvious signs like plumbing. I had celebrated at least five decades of Christmases. I had preached, I would guess, over 100 Christmas-related sermons, maybe more than that. Before I noticed something that should have been obvious to me, but it wasn't. It's an obvious truth, and yet I don't recall ever hearing it preached by someone else at Christmas. I don't remember ever reading about this Christmas truth in a commentary. I don't remember it ever being mentioned when I was in seminary, and I was in seminary a long time. (laughs) I didn't even remember fellow Christians talking about this amazing Christmas truth. And once I discovered it, and I started sharing it with other people, they didn't believe me. The characteristic response was one of incredulity, of questioning, of doubt. So then I thought, well, maybe this obvious Christmas truth that I've discovered... (laughs) When you're the only one that discovers something, no one else has seen it, you got to wonder. But no, I realized it had to be true, even though I hadn't heard people talk about it. So what is this obvious Christmas truth that apparently isn't very obvious? One that I'm going to tell you, and you're going to think I'm bonkers. You're going to think I'm confused. You may think I'm flat out wrong, and yet I believe I'm right. I'm not going to tell you yet, though. You have to wait. (laughs) There are a number of Scripture verses that are nice to read at this time of year, the Advent. We've read many of them already. Verses about magi and shepherds and sheep and a nativity set and things like that. But there's also a one-sentence Christmas verse in the Gospel of John that can be overlooked. And in that one sentence, Christmas verse, is this obvious truth that I had missed. It's in John chapter 1, verse 14, and it says, And the Word, referring to Jesus, became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And there it is, the story of Christmas 
without any fanfare, without any lights, without any blow-up Santa Clauses or shepherds or magi, just the bare bones of the Christmas story, the central point, the key point, the only point that truly makes Christmas Christmas. It says the Word, Jesus Christ, became flesh. That's the Christmas story. And that, of course, is amazing. It's incredible. It's a miracle that, that God, the Son, would take on this human flesh, becoming flesh and bone just like you and me. And yet, he continued to be 100% God. At the same time, he's 100% man. And theologians always have to come up with difficult words to describe things that are difficult to understand. So they call this the hypostatic union. So the next time a little child comes up to you and says, can you tell me the meaning of Christmas? Just say hypostatic union. Okay, maybe it's better to say God took on human flesh and became a baby. But here's the question. For how long? For how long did Jesus take on human flesh? When did Jesus discard his humanity and stop being man? Was it at his death when his body died? Was it at his resurrection when he got a resurrected body? Was it at his ascension as a disciple watched him fly up into the heavens? Don't answer out loud, but do you know when Jesus gave up his humanity? And this is where we come to the not-so-obvious truth of Christmas. The truth about how long Jesus was in the flesh. How long Jesus was human. How long Jesus was like you and me. Here's the answer. The truth is, Jesus took on human flesh forever. Forever. He has never stopped being 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And that obvious truth, I think, isn't so obvious to most of us. Remember the story of Thomas, the story that earned him the moniker Downey Thomas? Jesus had resurrected from the dead. The other disciples had seen him. Thomas hadn't. He said, unless I see him and touch him, I'm not going to believe it. So look what happens in John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, Didymus, by the way, is the Greek word for twin. He was a twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I shall see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Let's pause for a moment. Let me ask you, don't answer out loud, but what is it that gets resurrected when someone gets resurrected? It's, you answered out loud. <laughs> it's their body. Yes, Tom. <laughs> and when Jesus got resurrected, what got resurrected? His body. And so-called doubting Thomas attests to this, verse 26. He says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were inside, and this time Thomas was with them. 
Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it in my side, and be not unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. After Jesus resurrected, he still had the imprints on his hands and the scar in his side because he still had a human body. He still had his human body only resurrected and glorified and changed. It was Jesus in the flesh, and just to make sure, the story goes on to say, he goes, hey, you got anything to eat? And he eats some fish. You see, when Jesus was born as a little baby, when he became flesh, he made the decision that he would be in that flesh forever because he's committed to you. And he's committed to me because he wants to dwell with us forever. I don't know about you, but I can't really relate well to incorporeal spirit. Where's God the Father? (laughs) Where's the Holy Spirit? So Jesus took on flesh so we could relate to God. And we can relate to him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus, in his humanity, is limited to one place at a time for all eternity. For you and for me. It's mind-blowing. Why would he do this? Because he loves us. Perhaps you've heard one of those stories by preachers, analogies that they give. There was one I've heard, it was about a farmer, and somehow a flock of birds got trapped in his barn, and he couldn't get them out, and they were banging themselves against the walls of the barn and the ceiling of the barn, and he opened the door, but they just wouldn't go out. And he realized these birds were going to die if he didn't do something. And he thought to himself, if only I was a bird, then I could fly out and show them the way to go. And that's when it hit him, well, this is like Jesus. Jesus became like us so he could show us the way of escape. And you hear preachers preach this story, but it's totally incomplete. It's not really accurate. To make that story an accurate analogy, the farmer would have to become a bird forever. He'd have to say, I'm so committed to birds, I'm always going to be a bird. Jesus is so committed to you that he took on human flesh to show you the way of escape, of salvation, of eternal life, and he took on that flesh forever. John tells us the reason why In the same chapter, verse 31, he said, These things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. There are only two types of people in the world, those who believe this and those who don't. Those who have life everlasting and those who don't. And Jesus offers to everyone the decision to choose life. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads. You can have a private moment, but I'd like to ask you to still listen to what I have to say. I can't see your heart. You can.
Jesus can. And you know if you've invited Jesus into your life, into your heart. If you haven't, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, if you believe he rose from the grave, if you believe he conquered death, if you believe he wants to rescue you, if you want to be rescued, if you realize you need to be rescued, if you want your guilt removed, your sins forgiven, in this quiet moment, would you just cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Please save me. Come into my life. If you prayed that, he has. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your commitment to us, your love for us. We love you. Happy birthday. Amen.